We're going to continue to worship the Lord together with the reading of His, of His Word from 1 Peter chapter 2 as we continue our verse-by-verse study through this epistle. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 will be our primary passage this morning, but to sort of understand in context all that Peter is saying, let's begin up in chapter 1 and verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, or because that's happened, put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray together. Father, give us grace as we talk about Again, this morning, something that needs to be put away, that needs to not have any uh, place in our lives. As those who've been born again, there are some things in life that just have to go. So I'm asking for help that by the end of the service today, your spirit would work in such a way that, that we would be fully convinced, fully willing, and, and really joyful about putting away slander from our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, of course, you may be seated. Uh, just call your attention again to the statement there in uh, chapter 2 and verse number 1. So put away. And, and again, in English, that sounds um, sort of uh, p- polite. And of course, Peter's not being rude. But, but he's, when he says put away, he says these things have got to go. It's, there's some force behind it. I'd say some Holy Spirit force. So put away all, and we've talked about these things each Sunday, put away all malice, uh, put away all deceit. Deceit usually takes two forms, that's hypocrisy and envy, and and then put away slander. Now here's how it usually works. Uh, By by the way, those character traits, who do they remind you of? Malice, wanting something bad to happen to somebody, deceit, lying, maybe a liar from the beginning. Hypocrisy, someone who appears as an angel of light but is actually destructive. Envy, wanting the throne of God for himself. And then slander, the accuser of the brethren. Who, who, who is described by those character traits? Well, of course Satan is. So, so when Peter is telling us to put these things away, he's saying, as one who is born again, stop acting like the devil. And when we put things away, we're also putting something on new, the character of of Christ. So here's how it often works. Um, it's often said that the church is full of hypocrites, and hypocrisy is a temptation for us. Now, I don't know why, I, I mean, I do know why it is this way, but, but of all places where we should be able to be honest with one another, it should be in the church family. Amen. But there is this pressure to sometimes show up here and act like we got it together more than we've got it together, right? And that's hypocrisy. And that's rooted in wanting to deceive other people. I want other people to think of me better than, as better than I really am. So I live hypocrisy. And then what that ends up doing, this is kind of the d- dynamic, honestly, on social media. 
We put forward a better face, and, and then we deceive people of who we really are, so then they begin to envy us. And then when you begin to envy somebody, you know what your next step to do is, is you begin to slander them. It's a trap that we can be rescued out of. Amen? So put away slander. We're going to talk about what slander is. And the whole sermon uh, has a main idea. And the main idea is this. Words. What we say. They bring life or they bring death. Maybe it'd be helpful just to sort of define slander. Slander is talking about someone harshly or negatively in a way we would not talk about them if the person was physically present, right? They were in the room and we were talking about them. We wouldn't say the things we're saying if they were there. That's what slander is. So slander is one of the ways that words can bring death. Now we're in 1 Peter, but I'm going to put a pretty good number of verses on the screen from Proverbs. Anybody want to be wise? Man, I'm so thankful that when I was like 12 years old, I was in a Sunday school class, and someone just as an offhanded comment said this. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. Most months have around 31 days, of course, February. What's the deal with February, by the way? You thought it would just drop down one. It dropped down three, 28 days in February. But most months have 31 days, 31 chapters in Proverbs. Read a chapter of Proverbs a day and do that regularly in order to become wise. Hey, y'all, we live in a generation that's got a lot of knowledge, not so much a lot of wisdom. So in order to become wise, you spend time in the book of, of Proverbs. And so, um, interestingly... Talk about wisdom. Proverbs has a lot to say about what we say. So there's something about the way that you speak reveals whether you are, well, I'm just going to use the language of Proverbs, foolish or wise. Proverbs is helpful because it teaches us that foolishness is doing what I want, however I want, whenever I want, without any reference to God, whereas wisdom is doing everything, including the way that I speak, how God wants with constant reference to him. Here's the first proverb. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So just a couple of observations from this proverb. There is power in the tongue. Are we together on that? Probably don't have to emphasize that much. The tongue is powerful. In fact, the stakes are life and death. Man, what you say to other people can bring death. Hate you. You're good for nothing. I never want to see you again. What are those statements? Death. Death of relationships. Death of families. Death of churches. Words are powerful. And this proverb teaches us that the power has consequences. Eat of its fruits. I'm so proud of you. You're so important to me. I forgive you. Those are life-giving words, aren't they? Few things in this world are as powerful as words. The message uh, translation of the Bible says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. And I think that's true, isn't it? It doesn't matter if I think it's true. It is true because the Bible says it is true, right? One simple application, again, that I was so helpful to read early on when our children were young was, uh, man, what you say to a child 
right as they get up in the morning and right before they go to bed is so important in shaping them. So if the first thing they hear is just get up and the last thing they hear is just go to bed, we can do better, right? Here's an encouragement. I don't always practice this very well. But the best thing to say to your children first thing in the morning, and this is true if they're two months old, two years old, or 30 years old, is to pray. First thing, last thing. It's the best way for a child to wake up, the best way for them to go to bed at night. Um, Sometimes when a child says, can I have one more cup of water, what they're really saying is, I'd love to hear what you have to say a little bit more. So take advantage of it. Words kill. They either give life or they give death. So God's going to help us today with our words. And this is probably a good time to talk about how we speak to one another, isn't it? In the next couple of weeks, you're very likely to be around some of the most important people in your life, right? Next six weeks or so, parents and siblings and children and in-laws and friends and around people who've not yet tasted that the Lord is good and gracious, as 1 Peter 1.3 says. And your words... Your words, what you speak, look at verse 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, this this is the standard for your words. Do my words, what I speak, lead people to taste that the Lord is good? If not, guess what you can do with those words? You can swallow those words, amen? So, first point is this. Our words can bring ruin. Our words, they can bring ruin. Have you noticed how quickly we are if somebody calls us on the phone and we put them on speakerphone, we have to tell them they're on speakerphone? Have you noticed this? Especially if there are other people in the room. Why? We just want to cut them off at the pass, you know. Before you get going, let me just let you know you're on speakerphone. Or if you're talking to somebody and it sounds a little bit like you're on speakerphone, what do you do? You say, hey, am I on speakerphone? And then you usually say, can you please talk, take me off of speakerphone? Why? Because, man, we know instinctively that words are powerful and our words can bring ruin. Let me give you four examples of ruinous words. The first, first kind of uh, ruinous word is unrestrained words. Unrestrained words. Proverbs ten nineteen puts it this way. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Now, friends, we are surrounded by talk, 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 24-7 news, more podcasts than anyone could ever listen to, everyone giving their opinions about everything. And what did the proverb teach us? When words are many, transgression is not lacking. We use phrases all the time like, well, I don't know if it's true or not, but have you heard? Guess what we can do? It's almost like a little qualifier we're trying to give out, you know. Why? You instinctively know words are dangerous. Words can bring ruin. So here's, here's the next go-round. I don't know if this is true or not. Guess what the next sound should be? Silence. So if I don't know if it's true or not, then I, don't, I need to restrain. Look what. Whoever restrains his lips is prudent. What does that mean? Careful. Wise. A couple of summers ago, we were horseback riding in the Smoky Mountains. My girls, man, they love horses. So I agreed to go along for the sake of my girls. And uh, bless these horses, man. They just go to the same path all the time. 
And we came to a stopping point, looked at a waterfall, and we were getting back on this. I mean, this horse that I was on, I'm the dad. I had the big horse. I wanted, I picked one out. They put Juliana on that one. She's like, she can live a little trotter here. And I got, you know, mighty man. What I don't even know what I'm trying to say. But, man, he'd been good for most of it. And then we got back on, and we were, we were getting back on the trail. And Julie's horse kind of comes back behind my horse and snaps, kind of bites. And, man, I'm telling you. That horse that I was on, it reared up, and I felt its strength. And I had the reins, and I pulled on them. But here's what I knew. I didn't really have to. If that horse wanted to bolt, and we go down the mountainside and go tumbling, I would not anything that I could do about it. Friends, your words, if you don't restrain them, and you speak them, they'll lead to things that you didn't even intend to, but it'll be destructive. Whoever restrains his words. Or listen to Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Maybe we should... Oh, I'm going to restrain. <laughs> I'm going to restrain what I was about to say. But man, we live, we live in a generation where everyone loves to express their own opinion. Opinion, listen to me, opinion and understanding, maybe we need to all learn this, opinion and understanding are not synonymous. I'm going to say that again. Opinion and understanding are not synonymous. Just because because it's your opinion doesn't mean you're right. Doesn't mean that you understand. Doesn't mean that I understand. You can have pleasure in understanding. Amen? You can take pleasure in actually listening to the Lord and coming to an understanding. Fools take no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing their opinion. That proverb just taught us that most of our opinions are not based on understanding. But then listen to 1 Thessalonians 4.11. If you refuse to listen or are only concerned with being heard, that leads to ruin. 1 Thessalonians 4.11, aspire, go after this, to live quietly and mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. For we hear that some of you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. I heard one preacher put it this way, you can mind your own business when everyone else is busy sharing all their business. So aspire to live quietly, to live with restraining your words. Another uh, example of words bringing ruin is just flat out lying. Lying words bring ruin, right? Proverbs 12.10, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Proverbs 12.22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Listen, when you lie, you do something God never does. God cannot lie, the scripture tells us. Matters too much, truth does to him. But those who act faithfully are his delight. So when we lie, we do something God never does. And when we lie, we do something Satan always does. And often we lie to make ourselves look better. But lying never makes God look better. And every lie we say is like a brick building a wall in which we're cut off and isolated from other people. Deceit leads to hypocrisy. So now we've got a wall up and everybody thinks these are, things are true of us when they're not actually true. And only the truth makes for real friendships. Friends, one of the other things that we desperately need in life right now is real friendship. Not fake friendship, real friendship. And the scripture says, um, um, put away 
lying and speak the truth to one another, for we're members of one another. Now, I know of no surer sign than your heart is not aligned with God than you find it easy to lie. Lies bring ruin. Children, don't lie to your parents. Don't lie to your parents. Things going on in your life and they think it's one way, but it's really not. I'm just saying to you as your pastor, and you start lying to your parents, then you, by God's grace, know something's not right here, right? Lies bring ruin. Another example of words bringing ruin are slanderous words. And that's the word that Peter uses in 1 Peter chapter 2, slanderous words. Slander, again, is when we speak about someone in a way that we would not speak about them if they were present. So here, by God's grace, live this way. Never say something about a person you're not willing to say to that person. If you're not willing to say it to them, don't say it about them. Now, let's ask the why question. We got the what. What is slander? Why do we slander? Why do we say things about people? Why? So that they can be cut down in some arrogant way that we could be built up. Proverbs 11, verse 12. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. We hear a lot about the right to remain silent. I'd say the Bible says that we have the obligation to remain silent if we're about to speak about someone in a way we would not speak if they were present. Proverbs chapter 18, verses 6 through 8. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. The Bible is telling us that fools are kind of drawn, have an appetite for, for, for gossip. Now, big picture, two things are always frequent from the lips of those who are not in fellowship with God. Complaint and gossip. From the get-go, when sin entered the world, Adam and Eve became complainers and gossipers. Adam gossiped to God about Eve. The woman that you gave me, it's her fault. And then they begin to complain, complain and gossip. Make it a goal that gossipers in your social circle don't have an audience. For my teenage listeners, maybe this is, should be expanded beyond the teenage listeners, but don't screenshot a text that somebody sends you and then you go off and send it to somebody else and say, and look at what so-and-so said. That's a break of trust. That's what we're talking about. Oftentimes, you'll screenshot a text to send it to somebody else in a slanderous way. Don't do that. And, and by the way, <laughs> be discerning enough to know that if somebody screenshots a text and sends it to you, they're very likely to do that to you as well. So be prudent. Don't be a slanderer. 
there is something, and it's not just young people, that it's almost like you build community on the basis of slander. And that begins to be what you communicate about. Now, let's bring this home on the basis of Scripture. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation. So if, whether it's your texts, your words, your emails, your communication, if there's a whole lot more slander in it than it is talk about salvation, verse 3 is the question, have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Words matter because God matters. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and He spoke creation into being. And who is Jesus but the Word of God become flesh? There's one other example of ruinous words, argumentative words. Argumentative words. The last few months been stressful to anybody in the room? And I love my church family. I can just look out and see. Doesn't take, we don't have to go back far. Just to say the next, last three months, been so many challenges that none of us anticipated. And sometimes when the shaking starts, I think at the beginning of a pandemic, before we even knew what was happening, weren't we in the gospel of Mark? Is this right? And we were saying week in and week out, everything in life that can be shaken will be shaken. You remember that? And man, that's, been, that's proven true, isn't it? Everything in life that can be shaken will be shaken. And sometimes when the shaking starts, The screaming does too, right? The arguing does too. So argumentative words. Proverbs 17 verse 14. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. Proverbs 21 19. It's better to live in a desert than to live with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Hold on, we're going to get it balanced. Proverbs 26, 21. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The picture that he's given is um, got a wood pile, right? Going to get a fire going. And particularly in your family, particularly um, your closest relationships, you've probably been close long enough that you know how to get the fire going. For some people, it's not a word, it's a look. Do you know what I'm saying? Or you bring something up, and then you just take that and you add it onto the fire. What you need to see is when you start an argument that's, that's godless and is full of unrighteous anger, not righteous anger, you're building a fire that destroys you. And when we think we're going to argue, we're going to get them. No, you're not going to get them. You're going to get, you might get them and you. So how high is your wood pile? And do you keep it within easy reach? I know I've told you this, and, and I should probably talk a little bit more to Julie about this than using it as an example. I learned pretty early in my marriage. My wife was always much more restrained with argumentative words than, than me. But I learned that if she was getting close to the woodpile, she would start to hum. That's how she did it. She was just a little humming. If I heard her in the kitchen and she's washing, washing dishes or we're, we're in the house or whatever, uh, uh, she would start cleaning. That's why I brought up washing dishes and humming. 
And I'd hear this. And I knew, man. Now, as a less mature husband and a less mature follower of Christ, I, would, I didn't hum. I would just, I could feel my blood pressure rising. I, by God's grace, I've learned she starts humming, I start praying. That's what I've learned. So I love her. I am not against her. We are together. My life cannot be aligned with Christ if I'm not aligned with her. Peter will get to that, by the way. You know how to start an argument, but most of us don't know how to end one well. Sometimes, sometimes the best way is to just stop and say, I got to stand away from the woodpile and stand away from the fire. I don't know what you've got planned for this Sunday afternoon, but I'll tell you that maybe the best way to spend it, if the Holy Spirit would lead you, is you might need to go to your spouse, your child, your friend, read Proverbs 26, 21, and simply say, I'm sorry for all the times I've built up a woodpile and lit the match. Will you pray for me that God will help me? You're not going to carry the cross and the woodpile along at the same time, friends. It's just not going to happen. Words bring ruin Unrestrained words, lying words, slanderous words, argumentative words, they bring ruin. But that's not all they bring. They also bring judgment. Matthew chapter 12, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Let's personalize this. Take out the word people and put your name in it. I tell you, on the day of judgment, Brandon will give account for every careless word he speaks. In other words, friends, we're always on speakerphone. I think every so often, I mean, I I know we've all realized this, that these devices we carry around, they kind of seem to be listening, don't they? Like, I have a conversation with someone talk about any number of things, and then hop on Facebook, and boom, there's an advertisement for what we just talked about. So Google or Apple or Amazon seems to always be listening. God's always been listening. But listen to me, friends. He's not out to get you. He is out to help you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So point number one was our words can bring ruin. Second point is our words can bring reward. Our words can bring reward. Proverbs 20, 15 There is gold in abundance of costly stones, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Do you have the words of someone that you love dearly that are more precious to you than any gold or silver or diamond could ever be? Now, I'm going to ask uh, all the grandparents in the room to do something. I'm going to invite you to, uh, to write a letter to your grandchildren in line with Proverbs 20, verse 15. And you just tell them, I hear grandparents say a lot that my grandchildren came over, but they just looked at their phone the whole time and didn't really listen to me. So you write a letter to them. And let me just go on and tell you, it might not be precious to them today, but it will be precious in time. 
You tell them what you think is important in the world. You tell them about Jesus. You write to them. So here's four examples of rewarding words. And maybe that should be expanded, I just want to say, beyond, of course, grandparents, but anybody who cares about the next generation and has relationships that you've invested in. Um, um, Ruinous words age over time, but so do rewarding words. Four examples of rewarding words. First of all is guarded words. You'll notice very quickly that that's the opposite of unrestrained words, and that is pretty much how we'll work through on the outline. So, so guarded words, Proverbs 13, 3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Think before you hit send. Think before you post. Does this really need to be said? Number one, and number two, does this really need to be said in this way? What's the scripture? Um, that, it, that it may give grace to those who hear I'm getting older. I, my, my brain's not working like it used to. I know it's over here in Ephesians. Let me read it to you. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only as such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Sometimes you hear somebody say, I'll just say whatever I want. I don't have a filter. Friends. You need a filter. The Holy Spirit is your filter. About your words, about your thoughts, about your life. In fact, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So guarded words... If, if, if lying words are bring ruin, truthful words bring reward. Proverbs 12, 19, truthful words endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. And friends, I would just tell you, the word of God is true. Uh, all flesh is like grass, all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Give your time and attention to things that last, not things that are pass away like that. We live in a generation where screens are everywhere and fleeting information is at your fingertips constantly. Give your devotion to things that last. Truthful words. So speak the truth. Again, children, tell your parents the truth. Husbands, tell your wives the truth. Anytime you are tempted to lie, think about why. We speak the truth to one another when we speak God's words to one another. So uh, guarded words, truthful words, the opposite of slanderous words are covering words. Proverbs 17, 9, whoever covers an offense seeks love. Man, I hope, I hope that in your soul you get more joy in covering someone's offenses than that little silly shallow pleasure that comes when you pass on a morsel of gossip. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Let the gossip end with you. Let the text chain that's going on about, let it end with you. It's a loving action to cover an offense, not to gossip about it. It's the only real way change and forgiveness can come. 
is loving covering of an offense. That's what the cross is, friends, right? And then another example of a rewarding words are peaceful words. Peaceful words. Proverbs 12, 18, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 15, 1, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Hey, if someone's harsh towards you, that doesn't mean you have to be harsh towards them. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That's 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, Proverbs fifteen eighteen: A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who's slow to anger quiets contention. Man, what's better than a peaceful home? The peaceful church. Romans twelve eighteen. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So words can bring reward. Words are like a hammer. I mean, you take a hammer and you can throw it through a window and smash it, or you can take that same hammer and build a foundation that lasts. Words can bring death, but words can also bring life. Now, I've got one more point, but it's the most important point. Point number three. We do not have a word problem. We do have a heart problem. We don't have a word problem. We have a heart problem. So this is a gospel message. This is a Christ-centered message. The take-home is stop doing all that slander. That's not what Peter is saying. Do better, try harder. That's not what Peter is saying. Matthew 12, 34. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Ruinous words come from a ruined heart. Rewarding words come from a heart going after the reward that is Christ. Out of the abundance, what's most (laughs) flowing out of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Bible is pretty clear about this. Do you want to know what you love? It's really easy. What do you spend your money on? And what do you talk about? When you can buy whatever you want to buy, what do you buy? Or do you give in generosity? When you talk about whatever you want to talk about, who do you gravitate to? Say, well, I'm going to call so-and-so because now I know if I call so-and-so, we can talk about such-and-such. What is it that you want to talk about? Money and words reveal the heart. Now, here's the rub. Most of us, if we really think about those things, we say, whoa, I'm in trouble. So therefore, I turn to hypocrisy. Don't do that. Put away all deceit. What do you want to spend your money on? What do you want to talk about? The truth is revealed when you answer those questions. And here's the deal for all of us, 100% of us. We got a heart problem. So a couple of things briefly. Only Jesus, only Jesus can change the heart. There is good news. There is good news for those who bring ruin with their words. His name is Jesus. And friends, there is good news for those who have been ruined by the words of others. His name is Jesus. Now, our words do reveal our hearts. 
We're putting away malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander because we have an appetite now for the things of God. That's what Peter is saying here. If indeed you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So just, just ask it kind of this way. Have you, have you found that peaceful words are more desirable than argumentative words? Have you found that truth, speaking the truth, is more desirable than lying? Have you heard, have you believed now in your, in your heart, I'm talking about way down deep, that restraining my words is better than unrestrained? Has God worked in your heart? There's no better indicator this morning of your current status of abiding in Christ than the words that you've used today. Now, in conclusion, we're going to transition to communion. I'm going to read something to you again from earlier. I tell you, it's Jesus speaking, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word that they speak. Last week we gave the example that uh, if your life was on video, talk about all your life, and put it up on the screen, how, how long would you sit here before you ran for the exit, right? Change my name, change my identity, that'll never. Of course, that's true for all of us, friends. All of us have sinned. All of us fall short of the glory of God. If, if we could get our act together, Jesus would not have needed to come, but he did come. Now, for those who've believed in Christ, who've placed their faith in him, we believe that on the cross, Christ suffered the judgment that we deserve. So when they roll the footage on Judgment Day, and they hit the play button. This is just a way of thinking about it. I'm not saying this is literally what's going to happen. You understand that. What begins to roll is the footage of the life of Christ. From start to finish. Born in Bethlehem till he lays down his life and walks triumphantly out of the grave. Not one single sin ever. Never a time that he spoke when he should have been quiet. Never a time he was quiet when he should have spoke. Perfection. And his righteousness has covered you. So we can think about it this way. We've been talking about words. Anybody want to... Take the best day of your uh, 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 week, this last week, and have the audio recording, and, and you want to stand before the Lord and say, I'm willing to be judged on the basis of the words I spoke last Tuesday. I'm not up for that. Is anybody? I couldn't, I couldn't find a day of my life that I'd say, if we, and we're not just going by one day. But when they hit play, here's what the recording will say. It is finished. It's finished. He was judged in our place. And friends, that's not lying to you. That's telling you the truth. I'm willing to say it, and Jesus is willing to say it with you present. That's the scope of his love for you. The punishment has already been handed out. The debt has already been paid. The atoning work of Jesus covers our sin. And when that has happened, so much that we seek in the world, control, revenge, power, being right, approval. Those are now all things that we count loss. 
next to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. And I will tell you that that does, if that's what you believe, that does show up in the way that you speak. When you open up your mouth increasingly as you're led by the Holy Spirit, there will be less deceit, less malice, less hypocrisy, less envy, and less slander. You'll be more and more like Jesus. Your words not bringing ruin, but bringing reward. A hammer that's used to build up, not to destroy. We're going to pray together, sing together, and then I'm going to come back and lead us to a time of communion. So I'm going to invite you to stand right now. We have a time of response, and what we do is we always want to respond in, to what we've heard from the Scripture. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head, and I just want to uh, say a few things briefly to you, uh, to, to pastor and shepherd you along just a little, just a little bit, maybe a lot, I, by God's grace. As we read the verses in Proverbs, as we talked about ruinous and rewarding words, was there a moment that you felt conviction? And I urge you in Jesus' name to really pay attention to when that was. God, through his word, seeks to help you. Now, our message this morning has not been, you have a word problem. Our message is, we have a heart problem. But that problem is not greater than Jesus' transforming power to bring healing. So what do your words reveal about the state of your heart? And I can tell you on the authority of Scripture, no one has ever come to God in humility asking for help that God turned them away. So, Father, we turn to you right now in Jesus' name, asking for help. Our words reveal a lot about us. And I know in my life, my words reveal I need your help. I'm thankful that we can open up your word and, and see that we have your help. You've not left us. You've not forsaken us. The Son of God, Jesus, was forsaken for us so that we would never be forsaken. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You are here to help us. Give us grace right now not to harden our heart, not to say that's for somebody else, or I know so-and-so has a real problem with their words. Give us grace to let you work in our lives for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.